Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Why don't you stand with us this morning? It's wonderful to see you here today, and we are rejoicing and looking forward to what God is going to do here today and throughout 2021. Can you believe it? I hope that, um, I hope that 2020 wasn't a total bust for you. I know that a lot of us are glad to see it go, but you know what? Sometimes, um, sometimes a losing season doesn't have to be a lost season. And even whenever things aren't di are difficult or aren't necessarily going the way that you prefer them to go, you can still find something there to rejoice in. You can still find something that is profitable. The scripture says that we should not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and maybe that's what you need here today. Maybe you just need a little bit of renewal. And if that's what you need, I want you to know you're in the right place. You're in the right place for that today. We're going to worship together. We're going to sing. We're going to usher in 2021 the right way, just rejoicing and celebrating Jesus and worshiping Him together. Blood I was made, no longer a slave. 
death can shake us. The victor has won, and heaven has come, and now you've taken us higher. Jesus, we do go from glory to glory. In one place, the Bible says from faith to faith. It, 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 if you want to say it this way, it's from victory to victory. Right. Yeah, it's from glorious moment to glorious moment. That's the, that's the life we live. That's, that's, the, that's what it's like living for Jesus, having Him as our King, having Him as our Lord. Do you believe that today? Would you just clap your hands one more time to Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn to somebody nearby and wish them a happy new year? Let's just start the service off right, start the year off right. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. God bless you. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to everyone that's here on Grace Church campus, those joining on live stream, Facebook Live. We're so glad that you're making us a part of your day today. I know you'll be blessed by the service. Let me remind you of just a couple of things before we continue our worship. I do want you to remember that tomorrow, our 21 days of sacrifice begins church-wide time of prayer and fasting. Monday night will be United Family Prayer at home at 714 in your home. And then Tuesday night, we'll come together here in the sanctuary for First Tuesday Prayer. So we have a, have a number of opportunities here to start the year off right, to start the year off in prayer, seeking God, consecration. And I just believe it sets up the year for God to do amazing things. I really do. I believe that with all of my heart. 
not only in our church, but in your family and in your life. So let's, let's do this. Let's commit ourselves to it, put ourselves wholeheartedly in it, and see what God will do. As always, thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. You can give online. You can give on your way out in the lobby today. We appreciate that so very much. Before we go back into our worship set, why don't we just take a moment and let's pray together one more time that God would just have his way, that he would have preeminence in this communion service today, that his will would be done. Jesus, we are so thankful, Lord, that we can begin a new year here in your presence, in your house, with our church family. And I know that you're going to do great things today. Anoint our worship, anoint the singing, the, the, the musicians, anoint the preaching. And Lord, when it's time for communion service, I pray you would meet with us in a great way to the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. And just clap your hands to the Lord as the praise team leads us into worship.
voices and lift our hands all over this building. We praise you today, God, for your amazing love, your never-ending mercy, God, your never-failing grace in this place. We thank you for it today, mighty God. participated in singing it but when you think about the words of it when you dwell and meditate on the words of it when you his scars reflect my healing I'm running free I think when you hear words like that it it's courteous to give to the one that provided that ample praise and ample adoration I I believe the Lord is worthy of that kind of praise and adoration. I think maybe we were just a little too quiet. All over the house today, would you send up a voice of praise to lift your face to heaven and say, thank God that I'm not bound by sin, I'm not bound by habits, I'm not bound by addictions. He set me free. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that I'm here to worship, that I'm here to praise Him. Hallelujah to God. Clap your hands again. Let's give it up to Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you, praise team for taking us to the throne of grace again today. And I've not come today to go through just an ordinary service. I've not come today to go through the motions. I have a message to preach. We'll follow it up with communion. But I would just feel a little bit better coming to this pulpit today knowing that our hearts and minds were a little more focused into this service and why we're here I know we can celebrate a new year and we can do New Year's resolutions somebody talked about that a week or so ago but I don't need, I'm not sure that any of us are really in a, a, a mindset for that kind of thing right now because where we're glad to see 2020 go we don't know what 2021 is going to hold either I don't know that I've ever gone from one year to the next clinging to the Word of God like I have this year. I've never transitioned from one year to a new year 
trusting God more than I have this time. My hope is waning and worldly things and, and government and all of that. My hope in all of that is waning somewhat. But I'm glad to tell you today that my hope and trust in Jesus is flourishing right now because I do believe that he truly holds tomorrow in the palm of his hand. You believe that today? Don't you feel secure in the hand of the Lord today? Hallelujah. Along with Brother Dave, we welcome all of our guests today. Thank you so much for coming. Everybody, thank you so much for coming today and being on campus uh, with us today. It's going to be a great time. Those following us on live stream, Facebook Live, we're glad to have you as well. And I would like to remind those of you that are watching uh, that we will have communion following my message today. Uh, a couple of years ago, I changed the order of that a little bit. Not that it's set in stone anywhere, but I decided to do communion during the service and people were worshiping around their house and missed it. They kept waiting on communion and they missed it. They were worshiping the Lord and they literally missed it. So we'll do it this Sunday at the conclusion of our message. I know this is not a good place nor time to do what I'm about to do, but it needs to be done. Uh, we need some ladies to help us with nursery. To restart that up, uh, several people are asking about it. And uh, if you'd see me after church, or Sister Landry, Sister Sheila, if you'll see her after church, and just let us know if you're willing. If we can get four or five ladies that help us with that, we deeply, deeply appreciate it. We mainly need it on Sunday morning and uh, during this service right here. So if you're willing to do that, if we can get four or five, you'd not miss but one Sunday a month or more. Uh, so it wouldn't be too bad. Let me know if I would deeply appreciate it. I want to call your attention today to Matthew chapter 17 and beginning with verse 1. I'm glad I could stand here and boldly say that we went through a flood in 2016 and we're surviving the pandemic and we're still here. We're still here. That's encouraging to me. Grace Church is still flourishing. We're still here. It's great to see you on campus today. And after six days, verse 1, Matthew chapter 17, after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. <clears throat> he brought them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light and behold there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him now you understand Moses and Elijah had been dead for hundreds of years then answered Peter and said unto Jesus Lord it is good for us to be here if thou will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. 
And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man. They saw no man save Jesus only. I want to accentuate a little bit here for a little while this morning. In verse 1, he bringeth them up into a high mountain. I want to preach to Grace Church today with everything I have on the inside of me. It's time to climb again. It's time to climb again. Hallelujah. We've been shut in, shut out, locked up, locked in. It's time to grab a hold of the Word of God and the promise of God and start a pursuit for Jesus like we've not done in a long time. Anybody on board with that today? Clap your hands and thanks to the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Before you're seated, look at somebody if you're comfortable to do so and tell them I'm going to help the preacher preach today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank the Lord. Sister Melanie, you're on our prayer list today. And I believe God did a work this morning. I believe that. When Jesus and three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, climbed the mount for Jesus to be transfigured, I'm not sure the three men Jesus took with him realized what was about to happen. I don't think they had a clue what was about to happen. And uh, I'm not so sure when they left the top of that mountain that they really understood what happened. As a matter of fact, in all of my study of the transfiguration, I'm not sure that I totally understand what happened. But all I know is that Jesus, the writer recorded in Matthew, that he took them on a mountain climb And when they got to the top of that mountain, they saw God in a way they had never seen before. However you want to explain that, however your understanding perceives that, they saw God at the top of that mountain, and they were never the same again. That's kind of what I'm after right now. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to explain it. It's just good enough for me. If God will take us to a place where his glory is revealed, I don't need an explanation. I just want to see it. I want to be there. I want to be in a place where all I see is Jesus. I don't see men. I don't see other stuff. I just want to see Jesus today. Is anybody on board with that statement today? Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Now, again, it's difficult to understand exactly what happened. But unlike Moses, who radiated the divine glory that shone upon him, Jesus' transfiguration came from within him. He is transfigured, and his garments, as a result, become radiant. It comes from the inside of him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, 
the glory of his divinity temporarily broke through the limitations of his humanity. That's something I'd like to experience right now is to have the glory of God emanating out of my inner being where you see more Jesus than you do flesh. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. The Bible said when that happened, this kenosis of his sonship or his flesh being temporarily lifted, the Bible said they saw no man. They didn't see any flesh. Somehow or another, they got a glimpse of God truly manifested in flesh without the flesh being seen. I think that's pretty life-changing right there. It's still interesting to me when they descended the mount, there was a man came to them and said, your disciples have tried to cast the devil out of my son but couldn't do it. But the ones from the top of the mountain had seen God in a different way. And they weren't quite as intimidated by the devil as the others who had been left behind down below. They, they, they didn't know what to do, but the men from the mountaintop knew what to do. <laughs> I'm feeling something rolling here right now in my introduction. I don't know how far I'm going to get this message. But it's time for us to leave the fear, to depart from being intimidated and go to a mountaintop with Jesus where we're not afraid. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Hallelujah to God. The transfiguration seems to be a glimpse of the future glory of the Son of God that awaits Jesus at his resurrection and even at his second coming. To be transfigured means to transform into something more beautiful or elevated. I want to be transfigured here today. I just want something to happen to my spirit and I hope you do too. Jonathan Edwards said the way to heaven is ascending. We must be uh, content to travel uphill, though it be hard and tiresome and contrary to the natural bias of the flesh. This is interesting to me. Henry Ford said, those who believe they can do something and those who believe they cannot do something are both right. I believe we can. I believe Grace Church can have a godly, glorified, powerful environment and culture where God is manifest every time we walk onto this campus. I believe every time, every time, not just once in a while. I believe when people are prayed for, they should be healed, not just be prayed for. We need to see a manifestation of the glory and power and might and majesty of God Almighty. But if you're going to see it, you've got to be willing to climb. It's an uphill challenge. 
You're not going to get there by sitting in your lazy boy. You're not going to get there by being comfortable and unchallenged. You're not going to get there without that brain stretch and that trial of spiritual things. I believe it's time for Grace Church to grow, get together in a unified way and determine that we're going to go to heights in the Holy Ghost that we've never been before. I believe our world is ripe for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I believe Grace Church is ripe to have it manifested. So all journeys have a destination. We are going somewhere. This is not our vision and our plans for this year. It's not an aimless stroll in the dark. One man said one time, he said, I remember once scrambling to the top of Ben Nevis. It's a mountain in Scotland. For someone as unfit as I was, he said, it was a challenging climb. I remember as I walked onto the summit thinking, what an amazing reward was mine, being able to see all around me with no hindrances and no obstructions. He went on to say, the endurance the perseverance, the hard work, and getting to the peak was brought into perspective only when I reached the top and could see the view. Getting to the peak and seeing the view, he said, was pure joy. Yet without the hard work, perseverance, and endurance, there would have been no summit walk that day. As Pastor my desire is to see as clearly as I can so that I can lead the people of God in the right direction. I believe there are a number of spiritual mountain peaks that God desires to take all of those who would seek greater purpose and value in His kingdom. There's at least four of them if I have time. I'll touch on them today. This spiritual mountain, these spiritual mountain peaks are not measured by how many come to our church. They're not measured by the size of our offering. They're not measured by the kind of programs we run. These peaks are not about what we have done or what we will do, but they are about something far more important than that. These peaks are about who we are and who we are willing to become. You still on board? Are you ready to climb again? The first mountain peak, and this is so applicable, and if I don't get past this point, we'll go on into communion and we'll be good. I want everybody to grab a hold of my subtitle here, and you're going to see it on the screen. I believe the first mountain peak that God will take us to this year is hope and refuge. Everybody get your head around that. There is none, as we have learned, outside of a solid, committed, faithful relationship with God. There is no hope 
as we are beginning to learn outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice this short reading in Genesis 8, 1 through 4. The Bible said when Noah was on the ark that God remembered Noah. Okay, you didn't get that, but I did. When I read it, it struck me right between the eyes like a sledgehammer. God remembered Noah. In verse 4, the Bible said, And on the 17th day of the seventh month, I wasn't even sure they had calendars back in Noah's day. But when God remembered Noah, there was a date and time. Whether Noah had a calendar and a daily reminder or a smartphone or not, I don't know. But God had one. And when God was ready... To remember, he did something, and he did something majestic. He did something amazing. The Bible said when God remembered Noah on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest. After floating around on waters for all those days, weeks, and months, the mountains of Ararat became a place of great hope and great refuge for Noah. As a matter of fact, he had been floating around for five months. Does that sound familiar to anybody here today? Does that sound familiar? You're not going anywhere. You're just suspended between somewhere and somewhere else, and you're not getting to either place. Y'all, y'all forget that that... Uh, that ark didn't have an Evan Rood on, on the back of it. That's a boat motor. It didn't have a rudder. It didn't have a sail. It had no way to propel itself. And it had no way of directing itself. It floated for five months. But when God remembered Noah, it came to rest. Poor Noah and his family seemed lost, kind of like our families have. Had been floating around for five months. Lost, seemingly on a sea that had no end. Noah's obedience to God had brought him to a place of isolation. And it was at this moment that Noah literally found and discovered when he got on that ark that he was on his own. But he had no ability to control the direction or the speed that he was going. None. But God stepped in. Noah knew going into that ark that he had found favor in the eyes of God. He found favor. He knew that God was with him. Even then, he knew that God had not forgotten 
And when the Bible said that God remembered, it's not implying that God forgot. It was just God, it was implying that God was ready to do something. And God helped me today. But I know in my spirit that where we have been floating around for the past eight or nine months, and I have said from this pulpit numerous times, I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. I'm just doing the best I can with what I know to do, and so have all of us been doing that. But I believe God is thinking right now that you know what? There's a date on my calendar. My church has been floating around on this planet for the past eight or nine months, and I'm, I'm just ready. I'm ready to renew their hope and to give them a place of refuge. I locked him in that ark. Now I'm ready to set him free from that ark. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. Noah knew that he had found favor in the eyes of God because he and his family were the only ones that we're alive. Yet despite this, Noah perhaps did, did feel like that he had been forgotten. Or perhaps this is how he began to think as he drifted on the waters of yesterday's flood, going in no particular direction from one month to the next. And he went all these five months without hearing a word from heaven. When he got on the ark, God did not tell him how long he would be confined to the ark. God did not tell him when or how he would be released from the ark. Very good men and very good women have sometimes been ready to conclude themselves forgotten by God. Perhaps Noah, though a great believer and leader, found the great flood lasting much longer than he thought it would. Maybe he began to think, how long will you forget me, Lord? The only thing he had to hang on to was the promise that God had given him. We then find some great words of mercy. But God remembered Noah and my own ministry. These words have not just been a blessing, but they have literally been a lifeline that have both sustained me, enabled me to press on. The past year that we just said goodbye to is an illustration of that. The important and significant thing about this mountain is that Noah... Y'all ready for this? The significant thing about this mountain, this particular mountain, Noah nor his family had to climb it. God, and I believe God has brought the church to a mountaintop today that we didn't have to climb. And on that mountaintop is refuge and hope like we've never had before. Let's talk to the Lord right now. I feel the presence of the Lord in the house. Everybody talk to the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you today. We love you today. Now catch this point. If God 
had called Noah into the ark and shut him in. Then it would be God who would open the door and let him out. I wonder if this quarantine thing, was that really the will of man or the will of God? Did God shut us in for a while so that we would rejoice in the moment when he let us out? (laughs) In our weaknesses, in our times of testing, in our times of difficulty, it is always God who lifts us up out of the pit, out of the mud and mire, and sets our feet on a rock. Ararat is God's safe place, God's preservation. This is the mountain that God himself will take us to at certain times in our life, one that I believe we're on right now. The second mountaintop that I want to preach to you for a little while this morning is one, and this is a hard one, and God don't help too much on this climb He says, meet me there, but you kind of have to go it on your own. And the the, the price that you pay to get to the top of this mountain is not just in the climb, but it's what you give when you get to the top of it. It's what God has asked you to give when you get to the top of it. Where Ararat was a mountaintop, that God brought Noah and his family to of hope and refuge. This mountaintop is obedience and sacrifice. In Genesis 22, God spoke to Abraham and said, Take your son, your only son. God's, excuse the expression, In my vernacular right now, but God's kind of rubbing his face in it a little bit. I'm asking you to give me your son when you get to the top of that mountain. I'm not going to help you climb it, and I'm not going to give you any comfort in going. And I want you to bring your son to the top of that mountain and sacrifice him to me. And God says, take your son, your only son. The son that you love, that son, take him to the top and give him to me when you get there. Moriah, the mountain where we as God's people willingly take all that is dear to us, all that we love, and we offer it to God as a sacrifice. To the top of this mountain, Grace Church, we bring our family, we bring our ministry, we bring our giftings, we bring our callings, but we also bring our hopes and our dreams. We bring our time and our energy and our desires and our pleasures. We bring all of that to the top of Mount Moriah. This is a mountain that God knows all about. This mountain is a place that I believe all godly men and women, especially those in leadership, must come to. It is a place where God said to Abraham, because 
You have given to me your most cherished possession, your son. I now know how much you love me. Moriah is a place of testing. It's a place of personal sacrifice. You'll notice with me today, Grace Church, that Moriah is not a debate room. It's not a place where we consider what God has called and equipped us to do. God did not ask Abraham to do something that he was not physically, mentally, and emotionally able to do. As hard as giving Isaac was to God, God knew that Abraham had the potential of doing it. Listen to Pastor Grace Church. If God calls us to Mount Moriah, he's not asking you to do something that he knows you can't do. Let me make a let me make a statement here. No, I'm gonna move on. Moriah is a place of personal sacrifice. It's not a debate room. I have found when it comes to the word of God and to the call of ministry and to gifting that God is not a Democrat. I'm not talking about a Democrat in the, in the political way. God's not a Democrat. He's an autocrat. God did not ask Abraham his thoughts concerning the sacrifice of his son Isaac. He did not ask Abraham, do you think you can do that or not? If you think you can't, then I won't ask you. You'll notice when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, it was not open for debate. Neither was it open for compromise. God did not reveal his plan and purpose to Abraham so that Abraham could consider it first and talk about it with his wife, or even pray about it and try to gain some kind of peace about it. Sometimes it's not a question of whether we have a peace about the will of God. It is more a question of whether or not we're going to be obedient to what God has told us to do. I don't think that Abraham had a lovely warm peace as he held that dagger to Isaac's throat. I believe that tears were streaming down his face. I believe that his belly was thundering in sobs. I believe his shoulders were stooped as he looked his wide-eyed son in the face saying, My God, Dad, what are you about to do to me and why? You listen to me this morning. I'm not sure we're there. I'm not sure I'm there. But Abraham did that because he trusted God. I don't know if I'm at that place of trust. I don't know. But sacrificial giving means that it cost us something. When Jesus saw the widow give her two copper coins, he said she has given all that she has. 
There's three kinds of giving. One is a flint where you strike two rocks and it causes a spark. There's a sponge when it's squeezed and pressure supplied, it gives its contents. And then there's a flower that blossoms freely and gives its perfumed odor. Both the widow and Abraham freely gave to God all they had. Which one of these ways of giving best describes you and I? God did not ask Abraham for material sacrifice. God asked Abraham for his heart. He asked Abraham for his soul. He asked Abraham for his whole being. God was jealous for the man. God was jealous for the man, not for what the man could do. Hassan Pau said, all that is not given is lost. So at Moriah, God doesn't want the 95% that we give. He wants the 5% that we've not given yet. The third mountain, and I've got to hurry, is when we come face to face with God. I don't, I don't, I very rarely step in and ask Casey to have the praise team sing this song or that song. It happens very rarely, and she will testify to that. But I've kind of regretted for this point not asking them to sing the song where the writer said, I want to get caught in between heaven and earth where the glory of God meets. Where God kisses earth, I want to get caught in that spot right there. Times of prayers where you get caught in that spot. Tomorrow night in your home, Thursday night here at church on campus. It's a great opportunity to come and get caught in between that place where God kisses the earth. The Bible said when Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. It's Mount Sinai. It's where God and man come face to face. Can you imagine that? I find this so amazing. It was a place of meeting with God himself. I've described there's one thing about the omnipresence of God where God is just everywhere. And we're in the presence of God right now because of that. You can't escape from the presence of God. But then it's a whole other thing when you're in the manifest presence of God. When you see God act and manifest himself in the lives and faces of men and women. Mount Sinai is a mountain and a place where God both shapes and molds, where he creates and hones. It is a mountain of abandonment to God. Moses was there alone. And at the moment Moses was in Sinai, he wasn't worried about what was going on in the valley below. It's at this place, face to face with God, where nothing else matters. It's where God said to seek his kingdom first and everything else follows. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that we're, that we're an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine. Demands my soul, my life, my all, so said Isaac once. 
Sinai is the meeting place with God. As a church, we have to be found on this mountain. We meet Him with no time limits. We meet with Him with no requests. We meet with Him with no parameters or restrictions. Mount Sinai is a place where we are private with God. It is a secret place. We lay ourselves bare to Him. It is intimacy. It's divine. And like Moses, we cry out to God, Show us your glory. There's something on the inside of me today. I just want to see the glory of God. I want to see God in somebody. I want to see God in something. I'm hungry to see that divine manifestation with God. I feel like Solomon when he said in his Solomon song, chapter 1, verse 3, Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. It's that place of intimacy, a place in a moment not shared by anyone else. It's a sacred place. It's a secret place shared by no one else. Sinai, the mountain where we share with God our song of songs. And then finally today, there's Mount Pisgah, a mountain you hardly ever hear of. But again, Moses was directed by God to go to the top of Mount Pisgah in Deuteronomy chapter 3 and look to the west and the north and the east and the south and look at the land with your own eyes. I've shared with some of our church leadership. It's not the Grace Church. We've not lost our vision here of know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We've not lost that. We just haven't been able to really capitalize on it in 2020. But there's something boiling on the inside of me and our, some of our church leadership knows it that we've got to get back to that place of dreaming again. Place of vision. I'm okay with Mount, the Mount Ararat thing where we're in an ark and we have divine favor. But I'm not okay with the no direction thing and not know where I'm going thing. I want to know where God's going so I can follow Him. I want dreams back. I want vision back. I'm happy to say we're working on a meeting right now. It's actually going to be a dinner with our trustee board and our ministry team where pastor's going to do a little bit of vision casting. I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully we can do it this month. There's a couple of things in play here that we'll let you know. But I feel like in that meeting I'm going to go back to the top of Mount Pisgah, a place I've been to before where I can come back to this pulpit at some point and tell Grace Church, look to the north, south, east, and west. Look at all this around us. It's all ours for the taking. Not because we're good. Not because we're gifted. But because we've been called. And because God is going to go before us. Because God is going to make a way. Anybody feel me here this morning? Hey, 
If we'll do the other three mountaintops, this one's easy. This is a climb that you are prepared for because there's been obedience and sacrifice. There's been repentance. There's been a breakthrough. There's been something that's happened, and God has brought the sole of our feet to the top of the mountain that we all yearn for and desire. It's a place of dream and vision and revelation. This mountaintop enabled Moses to see a vision of the inheritance of the people he was leading. It enabled him to see their promised land flowing with milk and honey. I want to go there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you today. I've already been packing. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, I've been packing this don't require a lot of physical exercise, thank goodness, because I never make it. Sister Murph and I, like two idiots, walked up to the top of that highest point in the Smoky Mountains. What do you call it? Klingman's Dome. We did that several years ago, but we've been back since then. And we told the people we were with, we're just going to sit right here. Y'all going ahead. That just requires a little too much physicality. And I know they have benches all along the way for people like me. But that didn't even sound appealing. But Mount Pisgah, right now, oh my, I'm chomping at the bits. And I have finally felt in my spirit. Brother Dave knows what I'm talking about. Where you feel that little click. That little unction in the Holy Ghost. That little divine push that says, hey, I'm not going to ask you to climb Klingman's Dome. But I want to take you back to Mount Pisgah. Because I want to show you again a land that I promised my people. It wasn't for Moses. He never made it there. It was about the people. And it's not about me and my satisfaction as pastor. It's about you folks because I still want you to have every promise in the Bible that God made to you. And I want to see it fulfilled in your life. I want you to be healed. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to fellowship. I want you to socialize. I want you to pray. I want you to be great for God and so Mount Pisgah Mount Pisgah it's no longer a dream it's not something that would happen at some point in the future it wasn't just around the corner is God going to his calendar and telling Moses to tell the people, tell them you've seen it. It's a real place. It's a place that flows with milk and honey. It's a place where you're going to inherit houses that you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant. It's going to be a place that's going to have untold riches and prosperity. It's a place where you'll have to fight, but you'll never lose a battle. As long as you stay on my side, you will conquer all of it. And I believe God's finally brought us to that place on the calendar where he's ready to say, go on, 
you've been quarantined, you've been shut in. I'm letting you out. You're not hearing me. It ain't the government letting us out. God has given church divine unction, a divine authority to say rise up and march. You see the walls of Jericho? Yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty scary. But you don't know what I have in mind. If you'll start marching around those walls, I'll make them collapse in front of your very eyes. And you won't shoot an arrow. You won't, you won't throw a spear. You won't draw a sword. If you'll believe my promise, come on, Grace Church. Somebody pack up and let's take a journey. It's time to climb again. So in conclusion, reading from Hebrews 11, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and administered justice and gained what was promised. They gained what had been promised. So today... I presented to you the four mountaintops that God has invited us to climb. One, he's taken us there without us doing nothing. Mount Ararat. All we had to do is stay on the ark. Some did, most did, some didn't. Some decided to jump off to your inevitable self-destruction. Some jumped off to your inevitable self-destruction. But most of us stayed on the ark through all the pandemic, quarantine, all that stuff. Most everybody's back. There's a mountain that I need to close with today that wouldn't be fair to this message without it. The Bible said in Luke 23, and when they came to the place called <coughs> Mount Calvary, where they crucified Jesus along with two criminals, one on the left hand, one on the right. Mount Calvary, the mountain we're told to climb every day. <clears throat> to take up our cross and follow him, the Bible said. We may well be called to be ministers in God's flock, but it is on this mountain that we daily remember that we are still sheep following the good shepherd. It is on Mount Calvary that we see the ultimate sacrifice of a shepherd dying for sheep. He could have spoken out, but he did not. He could have asserted his own will, but he did not. He could have called the host of heaven, but he didn't. He could have rightly pointed the finger of guilt, but he didn't. He could have looked for easier way, but he didn't. <clears throat> he chose to climb that mountain so that we could safely, joyfully, and in such a fulfilling way, abide on the forward that I've preached to you about this morning. So all the sacrifices we make and all the obedience that we embrace and manifest and all of our hopes and dreams and visions, none of that would have been possible had Jesus not climbed that one mountain alone by himself. Beaten, bloody, everything he's got 
for one purpose, so that you and I might have life we might have it more abundantly. Would you stand with me this morning? We've come to that point in the service where I think the vast majority of this crowd is on board with what we've preached here today. I believe the vast majority of you are. But there are some that's part of Grace Church that still a little hesitant still want the world I'd like for we say sometimes I'd like for my, my life to be about 90% Jesus and about 10% sin and if we could just if I could just have God understand me there's just certain things in my life that I want to do that I can't give up that I know is sinful and it's contrary to the word of God There may have been people today that I'd like for my life to be even 95% Jesus, but 5% I want for myself. I'm going to tell you here today, you'll never climb to the four mountain peaks that we've just mentioned until you give that 5-10% to Him. You can be blessed for a while, but after a while you'll experience some kind of destruction or failure on some level. Yes, you will. So today is an opportunity gather at the foot of the cross and let tears of remorse stream down your face and say, God, I'm sorry I've not given to you everything you've asked me to give. I've only given you a part. I know of no king in history that's ever reigned successfully when 100% of his kingdom was not 100% under his control. there's less than 100% then the armor cracks and the enemy finds a way in Jesus being our king of kings is no different he can't successfully do in your life what he wants to do when you're not 100% submitted to him so here's an opportunity we're not about to go through a tradition we're not about to share and something that we do because our parents did it and our grandparents did it. We're about to do something that's biblical here. And Paul, when he taught on the communion service, he taught a whole lot about attitude. If you're coming down here thinking that everything's cool and you got to deal with Jesus worked out for your life, you're sadly deceived and he addresses that in, in 1 Corinthians. You need to come with a humble attitude saying, God, I'm willing to be whatever it is you want me to be. I'm truly willing to be a disciple. So you'll have a few moments to think about as our ministry team gets prepared. This is our altar service. It's going to be fairly quiet. It's going to be reverent. They'll be playing and singing. But but even though we're not shouting and jumping off the ceiling and all that kind of stuff, it'd be a great opportunity for some of us to say, you know what, God? I'm going to give you all my Time is wrapping up. Time is wrapping up. Time is wrapping up. Now is not a time to be playing with your relationship with God. Now is not the time. So I want us to pray. I'd love for families to, not just individuals, but families, husbands, wives, moms, dads, to say, you know what, 2021, 
be real honest with you folks. Brother Billy, I'm going to be real honest. It's honest. I was really surprised when Sister Murphy and I woke up January the 1st, 2021. I was real surprised when we woke up. I was real amazed that we were still here. That's where my heart's at. Believe rapture's imminent. I know most of us have heard it all of our lives, but it's not getting further away. Every day that goes by, it's getting closer. So what we'll invite all of us, we'll invite everybody to participate in today. Thank you, ministry team, for helping. As you'll come in just a moment and you'll take a cup of fruit of the vine of grape juice and a small cracker, a small wafer, you'll take it back to your seat. I'm not going to ask you to focus so much about what's in your hand as what's in your heart. Focus more on what's in your heart, what's in your mind. Let's get right with God today. What do you say, everybody here today? Let's make sure we leave right with God. I'm going to ask these two sections to my right, to your left. If you can exit to the wall and just come around here and get the juice we might have a little bit of a traffic jam right here in front of the pulpit this is where the the bread is those folks over here on my left you're right if you'll exit out to the wall and come around and take your communion elements back to your seat we'll all partake in communion together this is our custom here we all do it together as a family so as you begin to file out they're going to sing but as you're coming would you focus not on what you're coming up here to get what you're bringing in your heart, what you're bringing in your heart, what you're bringing in from your yesterday. God, help us that our motives are pure. God, help us that our motives here today are pure. Sing. Come to 
Let's pray together. Father, today we're thankful for the hope and the refuge that you provide. We're thankful, God, for your trusting us. You trust your church today as you did Abraham with obedience and with sacrifice. And we know, God, that in a place of hope and refuge and especially in a place of obedience and sacrifice, you give us the amazing privilege to come face to face with you. Coming face to face births dreams and vision. Coming face to face shows us promise, the fulfillment of promise, the things that we can gain, the places we can go, the things we can achieve our relationship with you is where it needs to be. I pray, God, today that you would forgive us of our transgression, to forgive us for sometimes being so inadequate, for just being human, that you love us nonetheless because of it. You love us with an undying love, and for that we're grateful. And you're always, always amazingly always willing to forgive our sin. And I ask God today that you would take Grace Church in the palm of your hands, that you would grab this church up in your arms and that you would put us on a path that you know we have the potential to try. Bless this church. Bless these people. Prosper them. Help us all to be what you want us to be. And today, God, as we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine, which represents your body and your blood, we are saying today, God, that we really commit to your purpose. We're really committing to your desires for us. We're going to push our desires and our wishes for us aside we're going to give way and give in to what you would have us do, what you would have us become. In Jesus' name. So to all of you here today, let's welcome the promise of God in 2021. Let's partake of the bread that's a type of his body. Let's partake of it together, shall we? ready, say amen. God bless you. Let's partake of the fruit of the vine together. Would you lift your voice, your face to heaven, and let's thank God today for his provision, for his bringing us to this place. Everybody in the house, would you pray right now, Father, we love you today. After all that we've been through this past year, still here cannot express my gratitude and thankfulness for the fact that we're still here 
so thankful for the voices that I hear, for the singing that I've heard, for the music that's been played, for the praise and the worship, the prayers. And God, you've honored that because you're here today as well. We share today. And we are remembering you now. You've remembered us. But in your sacrifice, you said this do in remembrance of me. We've partaken of the bread and the fruit of the vine. And we're thankful, God, for your sacrifice, for what you gave, for what you provided. And I pray here today that our hearts are filled with gratitude and love. We're thankful, God, for the unity that you bestowed, that you provided. We're thankful for your people. And we ask for your blessing. We ask for your guidance. We ask for your mercy and your grace every day. And in return, our hearts will be filled with praise and gratitude and thankfulness, oh God, every day for what you've done. Thank the Lord. Would you lift your hands heavenward and let's praise the Lord today. Let's praise Him all over the house. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah to God, hallelujah to God, hallelujah to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you today. We have a couple of men. Our ushers are passing to receive your uh, empty container. They're coming down the aisle. If you could pass them to the end of the aisles. I think one's passed on this side pretty much already, but y'all can go ahead and just go up the aisle and you know, put those in the waste receptacle. I love Grace Church. Don't you love Grace Church? Does anybody love Jesus here today? Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you here this morning. It's been great to see you. Great to have you in the house of the Lord. Great to be in his presence. Happy New Year, everybody. And I hope you have a prosperous new year. In Jesus' name, thank the Lord. Fellowship with one another as you feel too. God bless you in Jesus' name. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.